Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of This Show is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me connect as we and what that means for all of us. As always, I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website. That's wordsbyjdk.com or on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, you can find me just by entering my last name, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N. And uh, you should find me pretty easily. Would love to chat with you about the show and anything else that is on your mind. So welcome to episode 45 of this show for November 15th, 2021. And uh, we're going to get right to it. There's a lot to cover today. And the title of today's episode is this. Put 346 names on your wall. And I'll talk about what that's about in just a minute. And the haiku to go with it (laughs) goes like this. There are too many good reasons for us not to admit our mistakes. There are too many good reasons for us not to admit our mistakes. And uh, before we get into what I'm actually going to talk about today, I want to make sure I again thank our, the wonderful sponsor of this show, Airway Science for Kids, uh, a nonprofit based down in the Portland, Oregon area that provides life and career pathways for underserved students in aviation and aerospace, helping them find uh, a pathway among the hundreds of career options that are available in that industry as well as helping them learn how to take better emotional care of themselves, their families, and their communities. Uh, They do wonderful work down there, which I'm also going to talk about in just a minute. And if you'd like to find out more about them, you can check them out at their website, which is airsci.org, A-I-R-S-C-I.org. You can also reach out to them directly via email at info at airsci.org. One of the things I love about Airway Science for Kids is they not only teach about the technology of aviation and careers, but also about the business of aviation and the ethics involved in business and in aviation. And as you would expect uh, with those types of conversations, uh, they can often be hard conversations. And uh, Airway Science for Kids embraces hard conversations about the industry and things that go with it. And uh, that's actually fitting for today because I'm about to start one uh, or at least have one for the amount of time that I'm going to spend with you today. And uh, so... (laughs) In the spirit of what Airway Science for Kids talks about, I'd like to share um, some opinions on something that happened this past week. We will get back to holiday-related topics as we go uh, in further weeks. But this past week, something went down that I felt the need to really talk about and talk about in earnest. And uh, (laughs) you might be able to hear it in my voice. I'm pretty angry about it and frustrated and uh, feel pretty convicted that it's important for me to say something not just to a specific company that I'm going to bring up, but also on behalf of a specific group of people uh, that have been affected uh, by this company. And uh, I'm talking about Boeing. Yes, that Boeing, the giant aircraft uh, aerospace manufacturer. It's one of the largest companies in the United States, one of the largest in the world, and it is a foundational part of global commerce. Now, um, I want to just say right at the outset, uh, (laughs) I take no joy. In this, uh, Boeing has had a rough couple of years. They are a very, very important part of the economy and the lifestyle where I live in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and I am an airplane aficionado and lover. It's one of the reasons why Airway Science for Kids is a sponsor, is because I love airplanes so much and they know that. So I take no joy in all of this. And this is also not going to be an anti corporation because they're the root of all evil type of rant. I don't believe that. Uh, corporations are pretty important. Like any other organizations, they're made up of people, but they also provide things like, you know, big airplanes, vaccines, computers, cars, 
uh, food distribution. They do important things. And while it's very important to have conversations about the ethics of corporate culture and the debates about whether they pay their fair share in taxes, all those things are worth having. But uh, this is not going to be something where I'm attacking uh, Boeing as a as an evil corporate entity. Um, they don't operate independently of human forces. No corporation does. This isn't the Terminator movies, after all. Okay? And after all, outrage is easy. And while I am angry uh, about what I'm about to talk about, um, I don't want this to be a rant or a vent of outrage. It's actually, I want to present Boeing an opportunity out of something that uh, has been in the news lately. And I'm hoping somebody there will take me up on it. it may, they may not. <laughs> but all it takes is one person in one particular place with one particular set of motivations to, to make some, maybe make some things happen. And uh, I, hope, I hope they do because I'm a big believer in Boeing. They build airplanes that are remarkably safe historically. They're fun to fly on. Um, I tend to want to fly on their planes as opposed to that of their competitors. And they also are really important to global commerce. Okay? So hopefully with all that in mind, what this, what this isn't is clear. So let me talk a little bit about this because the group that I, I don't feel I'm speaking on behalf of them, but I want to lend my support to them is the group of the 300, the families of the 346 people that were killed in two separate plane crashes of Boeing's brand new 737 MAX commercial jetliner. These were Lion Air Flight 610 on October 28th, 2018, and Ethiopian Air Flight 302 on March 10th, 2019. Those crashes were five months apart. The Lion Air crash happened just a few minutes after takeoff from Jakarta, Indonesia, and it crashed after six minutes. After six, six harrowing minutes where, based on the, the, uh, the black box uh, information that was pulled from the wreckage, where the pilot struggled to com- control the plane and didn't really have any idea what was going on, the plane rolled over and crashed into the Java Sea. And that killed all 189 people on board. Five months later, in shockingly similar fashion, when you put the information from the flight data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder side by side, they were remarkably similar. The Ethiopian Airlines flight crashed just a few minutes after takeoff from the capital of Addis Ababa. All 157 people on board that plane died. Now, three days after that second crash, the Federal Aviation Administration grounded all 737 MAX airplanes that were operating in the U.S. That was in the hundreds, following similar decisions by the governing agencies in Europe and Asia and elsewhere. That meant that at that time, so that's, you know, March 2019, hundreds, if not thousands, of MAX planes were grounded, and none of the others being built systematically at Boeing's primary 737 plant in Renton, Washington, which is right down the road from where I'm sitting, None of those would be delivered to airlines for use. And of course, this was going to be a big hit to Boeing, and it was. An investigation ensued, and it quickly became apparent that both crashes had the same culprit, a new system that was added to this brand new version of the 737. The 737 has existed for decades, but new variants have been built over time, making them more efficient, more comfortable, longer range, more passengers, better fuel efficiency, you name it. This, the MAX is the newest one. Now, this new system, though... <laughs> Here's the problem. No one who was flying the plane, the pilots at any airline, knew that this system existed. Just sort of put your mind around that. So when when the systems malfunctioned on both these flights, the pilots had no idea what was happening because they didn't know that this was the system that was malfunctioning because the system, they didn't know it existed. Now, if you want to put that into terms that are a little more familiar, imagine if you bought a brand new car, And without you knowing it, being told this or having it in the manual, 
of how the car runs, a system was put in that the car could speed up or slow down <laughs> or seize control without you knowing it at any time. And suddenly it takes you through a stoplight or you have your cruise control on on the highway and you can't turn it off. You might be hard pressed to know what to do. And of course, if you're raising the question, what car company in their right mind would do that? It is a very, very good question. Okay, And that's, that's part of this. Now, the system on the 737 MAX is called the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, or MCAS. So I'm just going to call it an MCAS. And the reason why this was on here is because of how this plane was built and why it was built. As I mentioned, 737s have existed for a long time, but this new variant was meant to be a big leap forward. And this has everything to do with competition in the red-hot aviation, commercial aviation market. Boeing's big competitor is Airbus, the European transport company that builds a number of airplanes that fly for commercial airlines. It's pretty much Airbus and Boeing, at least in the long-haul side of commercial aviation. And Airbus was coming out with a, a variant of its popular A320 aircraft, which is a competitor to the 737, the A320 NEO. And Boeing needed a plane that could compete with that and perhaps best it in efficiency and that type of thing. So rather than go through the expensive process of developing an entirely new plane, Boeing decided to take a trusted airframe, put some bigger engines on it, more fuel-efficient engines on it, and soup it up a bit more, call it the MAX, and start selling it in large numbers. Now, that's all well and good, but the problem was when they put these new engines on it, it in tests and things like that in wind tunnels, they realized it was changing the, uh, the flight characteristics of the airframe. Uh, in fact, the nose te- seemed to pitch up a little bit more uh, easily in this new variant than in earlier ones. And that's a problem. You don't want your nose pitching up in the middle of flight, right? That causes problems. That can cause stalls or worse. And so uh, to address this problem, rather than, again, scrap and get a new idea, they decided to develop this system, the MCAS system. And initially, they were going to put two sensors on the outside of the plane, right near the nose of the aircraft, right by the, right by the pilots, that would give an indicator if the nose was starting to go up when it shouldn't on this plane. And then a system would kick in that would drop the horizontal stabilizer at the rear of the plane, which would then bring the nose of the plane down. That was the idea. And based on mathematical tests and models and that type of thing, developers thought this was a really safe way to go and presented it to the FAA. Now, the FAA has to certify every single new plane that comes out, including every new system that's on it. And so Boeing said, this is what we're going to do and put this out there. Now, they didn't do a whole lot of further internal testing on this because, of course, the pressure to get the plane out there was immense, right? That was where it was, it was coming from. The investigations after this crash into Boeing seemed to indicate strongly a culture of get this plane out there as soon as possible uh, at all levels. Now, but what the problem was is Boeing along the development line, switched, instead of two sensors on the outside of the plane, switched to one. And then, for again, reasons that seem to be about getting the plane through certification faster, didn't do things like they do with other new systems on planes, like take it up in the air and test it and run it through various scenarios where there might be problems. They never did that. And then, it seems now from the investigation, because... Uh, if they said this is a new system and they put it in front of airlines, airlines would have to pay for training for their pilots of the 737 on this new system. Now, because the designers said it wasn't going to be a system that was going to cause any problems, and Boeing decided, <laughs> Boeing said that sounds good to us, 
They pushed this through, and for lots of reasons that are detailed in the investigations by the New York Times, the Seattle Times, and by a frontline documentary called Boeing's Fatal Flaw that you can look up, uh, for all these reasons, the FAA was never told uh, that they had changed the design of the MCAS and that it wasn't going to be going in the training manuals for 737 pilots. Okay, So there's a long story there, and I'm just giving you the summary of that. But the important thing here is they were worried that the plane would not be attractive to customers if further training was going to be done on this system. So when the MAX went out to Global Airlines, no pilot that got into a MAX who might have flown other variants of the 737 for hundreds of hours knew the system was there. And so if it caused problems, they weren't going to know what was actually happening. And that is never good in any situation, but particularly in airplane cockpit, in planes that are taking off. One of the most dangerous periods of a flight and a time where the angle attack, the nose, is up. In both cases, there were malfunctions with the sensor, the one sensor. Instead of two, there were one sensor. And when that, there was a problem with those sensors, the system went haywire in both, both accidents, and the MCAS kept turning on and off. And that had not been tested. And so those pilots, the, the track of the flight shows that those things were turning on, turning off, turning on, turning off. And they had no idea what was happening. And because of that, 346 people ended up dying. So with all of that, okay, there's, there's more to it than that. These crashes were five months apart. And between the first crash of Lion Air and the second crash of Ethiopian Airlines in the investigation that followed, uh, and Boeing has now admitted to all this, by the way, uh, Boeing was not exactly forthcoming in sharing information with the FAA and other entities that were asking for information about the MCAS, how it had been developed, uh, that type of thing. And it's worth noting, they zeroed in on the MCAS system within days. And if you know anything about aircraft uh, accident investigation, something coming up clearly in days is not common. So it was really clear there was an issue here. And what ended up happening was, in between those crashes, Boeing seemed to be more concerned about making sure that the viability of the MAX and its public profile stayed positive rather than be really upfront, take a good look at what actually happened here and then share that information with the FAA and others. And in fact, there were attempts by a couple of test pilots inside Boeing to cover up some of the things they had been talking about and how they had fast-tracked this system, thinking it wouldn't be a problem, meaning the MCAS. So for five months, Boeing was not exactly cooperative. And eventually the Department of Justice got involved, and that's what it took to get make them cooperative. Then when the Ethiopian crash happened, things blew up. All the maxes were grounded globally, and leaders of Congress, leaders of Boeing were grilled before Congress uh, with members of with family members of the victims in attendance. And there's a couple of a couple of them actually confronted the, the then CEO of Boeing uh, in very spectacular, uh, poignant fashion at these hearings. And unfortunately, that didn't go well for Boeing either. Uh, they weren't exactly upfront at those meetings as well. They avoided claiming responsibility throughout and even suggested in a couple of plays, not so subtly, that the pilots themselves may not have been effectively trained uh, to fly the plane in general. Um, it was not a good look. Okay, let's put it that way. Uh, and then, of course, in the midst of all this, right, Boeing's flagship plane being grounded, COVID hit about a year after this. And, of course, that was a disaster for the aviation industry. And all these things combined came together to give Boeing maybe the worst year it's ever had in its history. 
And it was one of those things where I was thinking all the time about the law of unintended consequences. You can plan all you want for things, but you can't plan for the unexpected. So you better be planning with what you're expecting for the unexpected. And unfortunately, they didn't. And after that second crash and as the investigation heated up and emails and documents became leaked to the Seattle Times and the New York Times, heads began to roll at Boeing, including their former CEO. And the Department of Justice made recommendations about them reorganizing their entire chain of of oversight within, which Boeing did to their credit. And the Boeing's uh, board of directors ended up taking on a central role in overseeing safety at the company which is all, of course, how it should be, right? Raises the question, I suppose, in retrospect, why wasn't safety a top focus at the very top in the first place? But that's something only Boeing can answer. Now, let's fast forward to now. Last week, what set me on the course to this (laughs) show today, last week, uh, Boeing signed off on a deferred prosecution agreement with the Department of Justice, where they admitted full responsibility for what happened with the crashes, uh, and part of what they got in return was um, an end to any further investigation of the company. This was a criminal charge uh, for fraud, an attempt to fraud the government of the United States through the FAA by not reporting uh, what was going on with MCAS and not cooperating during the investigation. But because of that, there will be no further inquiry into what actually may have happened on another level in, um, in Boeing, and people will be go back and forth on that. But here's what they said. Uh, This is what they'll have to do. As part of the agreement, Boeing is going to pay a $2.5 billion penalty to the government, and they're going to put aside $500 million for compensation for the victims' families. And, of course, they admit sole responsibility for how the MCAS was not disclosed to the FAA and to airlines and for their delays and efforts to shield the company from investigation. They also, uh, by admitting they are solely responsible, they predicted there are hundreds of subsidiary companies that are often involved in this from being investigated and sued. That's the right thing, I think. Um, In addition, Boeing also agreed to have any lawsuits brought by families of victims to have them tried in Illinois, where they, they are headquartered, rather than in the countries where the crashes happened, which is often the common practice. Because what often happens in those cases is the monetary amounts given out to families for compensation is lower in those countries because standard of living is lower and therefore the monetary amounts are lower than they would be if they were in the U.S. And it's not just Boeing that does this. Other companies do that as well. If that sounds awful, it's because it doesn't sound real good, right? But that's something that uh, Boeing is going to allow for as well. Now, you add all that to the money that Boeing lost from the COVID disaster, the nearly two-year-long grounding of the Maxes globally. They are back in the air now with a new system and more training and all of that. Uh, you can say they have paid a horrific price, that they have taken a serious hit. Now, I'm not here to add on to that, but this is where I want to present them an opportunity. And I would like all of us to be thinking about what this would mean for us, not just if Boeing does this, but how we bring that to the table for ourselves personally. Um, Who am I to talk about this so strongly before I do that? Well, as I said, I love airplanes and I have a big belief in the industry. Um, But its number one responsibility is safety. First, it cannot be profitable if it is not safe. So I love airplanes and I'm a big believer in the company. I also have a nephew currently, 18 years old, who's training to be a commercial pilot. And yeah, I want him to have everything he needs, all the information and all the training he needs to be a great and safe and alive pilot and get people to where they're going. It's decidedly personal for me that way. The idea of a pilot not knowing what is on his aircraft is insane to me. 
I also know what it's like to lose a friend in a plane crash. Northwest Flight 255 in August 19, of August 1987 in Detroit, a family member, uh, or family friend, I should say, uh, died in that crash. And my father, who's a pastor, uh, did the memorial service, and I was the acolyte for that service. And I remember sitting up front while news cameras from all the local um, TV stations in L.A. were there, and there was an overflow and all of that. And I stared at my friend's family who lost his mom in that crash for a two-hour service. And I cannot, I will not forget it. Uh, it is an awful experience. And so uh, it's a visceral thing to lose someone that way. And, of course, on the most basic level, all my loved ones fly a lot. And so do I. <laughs> And they have every right to get on an airplane and know that the pilots up front have everything they need to fly it. And so here is the opportunity that I'd like to present to Boeing. You have an opportunity here, Boeing. Yes, you've paid your monetary dues. You've owned responsibility. And thank you for doing all of those things, even though it shouldn't have taken this long, in my opinion. You now have an opportunity to take this and have it be the central part of a revamp of your internal focus from top to bottom. You have a chance to learn from your history instead of being focused on, as you are often accused of by insiders and outside outsiders alike, as only caring about the next airplane you can make and sell. You are Boeing, one of the biggest companies in the world. You have an opportunity not only to rebuild your system internally the right way, but to be a model for the hundreds of subsidiary companies who work for you, who could follow suit, for the aerospace industry as a whole, and for what other major corporations do because you're so big and so important that what you do and say matters. You have a chance now by truly taking steps to make sure something like this doesn't happen again to bring some major ethical changes to how business is done. Your restructuring is a good start, but it is not, by, not enough by itself. The temptation to push this behind you has got to be strong and will continue to be. I even look today. Today your stock is up 5%. Despite that news from last week because the 787 aircraft is finally resuming production after COVID-related delays. If you go back to the scarcity mindset that led you here, you've learned nothing and something bad is going to happen again. And this is what I mean by that. Boeing, you operated from scarcity, in my opinion, for no reason. You panicked around your bottom line in wanting to compete with the A320neo. So much so that with your reporting set up internally and all the pressure on all hands to get the max into the air made this, these disasters far more likely to happen. And when they did, they did far more to hurt your company and brand and public confidence in you than careful development of the max would have cost you. Even if you delayed it another year to make sure all the pieces fit and everybody knew what was happening. You're Boeing. It's you and Airbus in the market. They have their own issues and you are still ahead of them in other areas and your space and your defense sectors remain powerful. You seem to maybe have forgotten that your existence relies on transporting people safely first and then making money off of it second. These are not mutually exclusive and in fact they never are for any company. It just takes more effort and intention to stay focused more on people than it does on profits. But there are plenty of examples that if you merge the two you will quickly earn more than you would have otherwise. So here's a start of what you can do in the last few minutes. Just a couple of suggestions. But don't take these because I say them. Run them by the families of the victims first and then listen to their ideas and maybe go with those. Meet with those families. Settle with them for what they want. Make it as easy as possible. 
Don't just leave it to your lawyers to battle it. And then as soon as you do that, ask them how you as a company can take steps to make sure that those family members are honored in your company for the rest of its existence. A couple of examples. You could take the 346 names of the crash victims of both planes and put them on a wall in each of your main headquarters buildings as a reminder for everybody walking by what the costs are of losing focus and cutting corners and not being up front. You also, and or, could put a representative of the family survivor groups on your advisory board. Let them be an observer of your proceedings and a living reminder of where you once were and where you don't want to go. My guess is someone would gladly do that as a way to make sure their families are not forgotten and to help those families feel like they're making the skies safer. You can't do anything for those 346 people, but you can do a lot for their families beyond just giving them money. You could help them feel like they're making some positive changes. In the recovery world, in the addiction recovery world, this is called a living amends. You can't change the past, and nor do you have to be controlled by it if that's what you're afraid of. But you don't have to forget it, and you can let it guide you to live and operate in a different way to honor those that you hurt and failed. It is a primary way of living healthy, whether you're a person or a corporation. I can test to that personally. I have had to take accountability for my mistakes in my life in a couple of occasions in pretty spectacular fashion. It sucks and it hurts and you lose support. But when you live in amends, you get it back and things can become better than ever. So I don't know if a wall of honor would work or be okay with those families, but you should find out. Find out what is and then do it. You can tell the public if you want, but it's better for them to know that you're doing it. But, and it's much more important to make sure the internally the lessons are never forgotten or lost. Because on a most basic level, another thing like this, and you may not survive it, and that would be a disaster for you, for flyers, and for the global economy. You aren't too big to fail, and you're also too big to escape notice. Use your platform that you have, now that you've owned your mistakes, and make it stick. Otherwise, it's just going to lead to more of the same. We all expect it of ourselves right now in our daily lives. We have the right to expect it from corporate entities, government entities alike. Whew. Okay. With that in mind, love to hear what you think of that and be happy to comment on it more in further shows. I am JDK Winnikin, the host of This Show is All About You. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Hope to see you again down the road. And uh, until next time, chins up, everyone. <laughs>